Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today about the International Spy Museum, and we're talking with Peter Ernest, the founding executive director of the museum. Peter, thank you so much for joining me today. No, I'm delighted to be with you, Tom. Just to give our audience some context, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the origins of the International Spy Museum? Sure. Uh, Tom, my background is CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. I was there for some 35 years, uh, retired in 1994, and then went into the private sector. Uh, at that time, uh, and by the way, in CIA, I was in what is called the clandestine service. That is the side of the agency that is involved in covert activity, whether it's uh, recruiting and running agents, covert action, and so forth. And then I did some public jobs. I was with our inspector general, uh, also with our staff covering the Hill, the Senate in my case, and when I left, I was director of media relations and spokesman for three directors. Uh, I left in, two th in 1994, and the museum began in mid-2002. I joined in January of that year, before we opened. And it was founded uh, by a gentleman by the name of Milton Maltz, who had a company called Malwright Communications, which was radio and TV stations around the country. And when he, that eventually uh, was uh, purchased from him, he then began the Mallwright Company, which it is today, and he's been involved in a number of ventures. And uh, this was one. Uh, as a young enlisted man in the Navy uh, during the Korean War, he was uh, employed briefly at the National Security Agency, and I think that's when the spy bug bit him. And so he was behind this museum and its idea, and uh, we opened in 2002, July, and just this past two, a week ago, or two weeks ago, we had our five millionth visitor go through the museum. So it's been extraordinary, extraordinarily successful. In fact, uh, one of the most popular museums in Washington right now. Well, that's what I've heard. You've been open for seven years, and five million visitors in seven years is quite impressive. What would you say is most misunderstood in the public's eye about the International Spy Museum? Well, that, it's an interesting question. What's most misunderstood? You know, it, you're not quite sure sometimes what the public thinks it's going to see. Um, about 5% of our holdings here, displays, the graphics, and so forth, are from popular culture. Like the, the the car that uh, that was in uh, Goldfinger with James Bond, uh, other things, photographs, uh, remnants of TV shows. We do that for a purpose. It's 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 sort of a, a subliminal reminder, if you will, not necessarily so subliminal, but a reminder that most of the public, its knowledge of espionage, spying, covert action, all those sort of things, comes from popular culture radio, TV, uh, movies, novels, and so forth. So this is sort of, this is where for, for the public most of the knowledge comes from, except those who really take on uh, the literature in a serious way. Um, so I think uh, perhaps they, on, on the minds of some of the public, particularly some of the younger members, uh, they're going to see aspects of that, aspects of what they've seen in the movies or read about novels. And to a small extent, I think we satisfy that because, uh, in part, because we do have uh, some of the gadgetry, if you will, from the Cold War, hidden recorders, 
hidden cameras, uh, dead drop devices, that is devices to put documents in and, and hide them in the ground, um, weapons that might be used either for assassination or in self-defense purposes. Those are all uh, items, if you will, or artifacts people associate with spying. So I think to an extent they, uh, they're they not misunderstood, but perhaps they see other... Th I think they see other information that they never thought was associated with espionage. They didn't, in their framework, uh, they didn't, they didn't factor in, um, you know, that George Washington was involved so heavily in espionage, or the extent to which uh, we had penetrated the German code during World War II, and that was by breaking the Enigma machine. So I think there are things that they learn uh, that they, you know, that they did not expect. Well, that's good because you can use these pop culture references to educate in ways you might not have the opportunity otherwise. Exactly. Give us a sense of what the museum's goals are then. You get people in the door by sort of luring them in with, with the, the sexy <laughs> images that they, that they associate with this, but you've got an opportunity then. Well, as we say in our own statement there in the, in the front door, our, our mission is to uh, facilitate people's understanding of what spying, espionage, intelligence, if you will, what it is. And we do that to a great extent by storytelling. Uh, there are a lot of stories in the museum, stories about real spies. And, uh, and that is all a part of our function, we think, of giving people um, a taste, a sampling, a peek uh, into that world. Uh, there are a number of interactive devices around the museum that enable them to take a look at, at, for example, a light table. What is a light table? A light table is what analysts use who are studying overhead photography, that is, uh, from the reconnaissance satellites. So they see what the analyst sees, and they have a taste of how difficult it might be to try and analyze such a photograph. So those are the sorts of things we do. And, for example, you can only put so much in a permanent exhibit. So we have a very robust a uh, series of programs, both for adults and children. Uh, they take place in the evening. They take place on weekends. Uh, we have an hour-long immersive experience called Operation Spy, where you become the spy. And for an hour, yeah, you uh, deal with a number of spy devices and spy thinking. Uh, and that's very popular, Operation Spy. Uh, we launched not long ago Spy in the City, in which people go out into the streets of Washington with a, a GPS-like device, although it's greatly enhanced, uh, to, uh, if you will, participate in a counterintelligence operation based, by the way, on real cases, FBI and CIA cases. So we supplement what we do in the museum with these other programs. That well, sounds fascinating. What would you say are your most noteworthy artifacts, both in terms of the things that the public would easily recognize and those that they might not but play a key role in the history of espionage? Well, I mentioned the Enigma. Uh, I didn't mention it as a device, but uh, during World War II, uh, we, the Allies, and the, principally the British in this case, actually broke the German code. That is the code that the Germans were using uh, both to communicate between elements in the field to other elements, as well as elements in the field to, to the sea, to uh, ships. Um, 
This was a device called the Enigma device, and it's a very uh, a complex device. It enables you to set up a number of combinations of letters, and the Germans considered it impossible to break. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, a group of uh, a British uh, experts and others uh, teamed up out at a place called Bletchley Park outside London and managed to break it. And that enabled, uh, because they shared that with the Americans, enabled us to read the German codes in the last couple of years of the war. It was an extraordinary breakthrough. We show here an Enigma machine, and next to it we have a console showing how it works. Uh, the other, the other item I would mention is we have a letter, uh, signed by George Washington. It is the original to a gentleman by the name of Nathaniel Sackett, uh, directing him to set up, set up a spy ring in New York City. New York, of course, was under the occupation of the British. And he gave Nathaniel Sackett $50 <laughs> to set up the spy ring and, uh, also uh, indicated to him there would be a retainer a fee uh, that would continue month after month as he recruited new members of the, of the ring, and it was successful. Washington, because he was so deeply involved in spying and deception operations, uh, is rightly regarded as the father of American intelligence. So really, when people go through here, they come out with a greater context in some of the history that they already you know bits and pieces of at least well i think so and of course you know you you don't know you're not testing them we often will ask questions or we'll do surveys but my hope is uh, there are a lot of families that come through and and i, I think that uh, the parents the adults if you will not always parents but the adults uh, are interested themselves to know a little bit of our, about this world uh, which plays such a a uh, critical role in the current uh, the current dealings with terrorism. So I think there's an interest there on in the part of the adults, and of course the, the the kids, as you just mentioned, are drawn, blurred by the the romance, the excitement, the uh, esoteric nature of the spy world. Now, when they go through there, they're going to take away different things. But I hope one of the things that particularly the young people take away, the adults too is they'll see a sliver of history or something that happened in the Civil War or they'll read something about the Soviet Union, and it will pick their interest. They'll be motivated to read more, to find out what really happened. And so uh, my hope is that, that they will take away both some insights into the spy world as well as glimpses of history that might, uh, uh, might trigger their interest. Well, it's interesting. It leads into a question I had. You, you mentioned you've had your five millionth visitor. I mean, who typically are the visitors to the museum? And if you could summarize what they typically get from the experience, what impressions do you get as they walk out that door? Well, the impressions I, I get, uh, a number of the impressions are, why didn't you tell me it would take this long? <laughs> because we, we do have a lot of stories there, and... and you know, the typical visitor might might go through, and now I'm talking about the museum, not the special experience. Uh, you know, might go through, people go through museums at a different rate. And obviously, the, a family going through the museum might decide, okay, we're going to spend an hour in here. Usually the mother sets that rule, or whatever. Um, but often it takes longer than they think it would, unless they're rushing through. And um, usually they they rate the experience very highly. 
uh, we have done surveys. Uh, uh, a very high percentage of our visitors are college grads. Uh, we get visitors in all shapes and sizes and ages and sexes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, almost an equal number of men and women, a lot of young people. Uh, we say about 10 and up for the museum. Now, obviously, some kids younger than that and bright would get more out of it, and, uh, and that's fine. We say 12 and up for the Operation Spy. But I think the, um, there's a lot of diversity uh, in w- what I see in the people going through. And, um, so I, and I think what they get is, is, as I say, a high level of, sa- of, uh, of satisfaction. They feel they have learned something and that indeed it was, you know, it did, it did meet their expectations, even though it's not clear what their expectations might have been. Now, you've celebrated seven years now. What do you see as the museum's growth plans going forward? Well, we, we've, we've had interest uh, by others in, in, in trying to replicate this elsewhere, uh, both in the United States and abroad. And so far, we haven't responded to that. This is still a unique museum in the world. Um, I think we see the possibility of our spy in the city experience as well as the operation spy experience that that might be done elsewhere and then we would create a new one here so say you did create one elsewhere london or berlin or orlando or wherever uh then people could go through the international spy museum experience there but they still wouldn't have done the one at the museum so you could we would create yet another experience a new one again these are based to a great part on actual spy cases. Now, Peter, our websites serve a, an information security audience primarily, and I think that the people that we have practicing encryption, information security, uh, protecting businesses and government agencies from external threats, they owe a great debt to some of the people whose artifacts are a part of, of the spy museum. So if I could ask you in that context, if you could sum up briefly, for people who are in information security careers what are the types of the things that the international spy museum teach us well i think uh, two things uh, first of all your question could not be more apt we are opening an exhibit at the end of this week to october to be precise called weapons of mass disruption and it is about cyber attacks <laughs> so this is very timely um, by going through the museum, the people in information security will get a sense of what intelligence agencies and individuals have had to go through in the past to gain information, to secretly gain information, to steal information. They'll get a sense of that. But it will culminate their visit. Uh, they will see a film called Ground Truth showing what we are now up against in the 21st century, where because of our technology and because we are so much more connected, we are also so much more vulnerable. Whether it's acts of terrorism, such as flying planes into a building, that's, that is modern technology, or uh, asymmetrical warfare, and that is with these smaller groups of people, like terrorists or even individuals, uh, like the Oklahoma City uh, bombing, uh, can carry out things against a, a major, if not the major, power in the world, the United States. Um, this room, the Weapons of Mass Disruption room, 
uh, will show what conceivably could happen in an attack, a cyber attack, on our uh, infrastructure, specifically on the electrical grid. So I would say there's a real inducement uh, for folks to come here if they're in the field of information security. Uh, there's also a video there. It's not as long. But it has some of the uh, individuals like the director of national intelligence and former director of, of uh, CIA speaking to this issue. So I think there's a, a real incentive to sort of not only see what's been done in the past, but where we are today. Peter, it sounds exciting. I do appreciate your time and your insight today. Okay. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you, and, and uh, it couldn't have been more timely since we're opening this new exhibit. We've been talking with Peter Ernest, the Executive Director of the International Spy Museum. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.